Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, July 22nd. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, here with my guest, Patricia Finn Esquire. Patricia Finn Attorney is a vaccine injury and exemption litigation firm. And Patricia Finn Esquire is at the helm of this firm. The firm represents thousands of parents and children throughout the United States in obtaining vaccination exemptions for school, employment, immigration, and more. And the firm litigates vaccine civil rights cases in state and federal courts and injury and death cases in the United States Court of Federal Claims. Wow, that is pretty impressive. A lot of um, nice offerings there. You can contact Patricia Finn either through her website, which is www.vaccineexemption.org, or by looking her up. Uh, preferably on her Facebook pages at Patricia Finn Attorney or Patricia Finn. We began this conversation with Patricia Finn earlier this month of July when we also met with Michelle Ryder of Team Isaiah, and this is part two with Patricia Finn. We're going to revisit the previous points and then pick up where we left off. Welcome back, Patty. Oh, thanks, Terry. It's very nice to be here again. I really appreciate uh, you uh, sharing our story. You are quite welcome. Uh, so I understand, Patty, that you're defending individuals' rights to have vaccine exemptions. So we should first establish that an individual um, is okay by uh, make, getting educated and making the decision to skip uh, or delay vaccines as they say fit and they're not endangering uh, other individuals. So first, is there anything that seems fallacious about the concept, for example, of herd immunity? Well, uh, herd immunity is the reasoning that the vaccine companies, the pharmaceutical companies are putting forth as their basis for requiring more and more and more shots. The problem is that nobody has examined herd immunity, at least the courts have not, nor in New York State has the legislature. Just a couple of weeks ago on July 1st, a New York City added an additional group of vaccinations, uh, the flu and pneumococcal for the first time, targeted to first graders, and then added to the already existing schedule even more shots, varicella, uh, polio, and I think a few others. And, and what's so troubling about that is, um, you know, the claim is herd immunity and we need more shots, but nobody's looked at it. No one has even considered it. There's been uh, no legislative review of these mandates as the law requires, and the court in one of our recent cases involving uh, Mary, uh, support Mary's rights, in that case, the court dismissed the claim and said, you know, there is no right of review, and of course, that's not correct, and, and we're appealing that decision. So it's troubling. A lot of mothers in the autism community, that is a lot of well-educated mothers, you know, professional mothers who have children who uh, were vaccinated per the schedule at the time that they were younger and regressed into uh, a diagnostic label of autism. Um, wonder, uh, you know, they get verbally spat on by people who are still vaccinating their children um, and while they're, uh, people who are vaccinating their children may not notice that their children have autism, they might not have an autism diagnosis, they might have lost IQ points. There are a lot of things that neurotoxins do to people, to children, even if they don't end up with the, uh, the diagnostic label of autism. Well, 
the moms whose children regressed into autism are wondering how it is that if vaccines work, how is it that a child who's not still receiving vaccines can endanger a child who's up to date on their vaccine schedule? Well, uh, that, that is uh, the question, isn't it, on appeal, uh, in this case anyway. We've challenged that. It makes absolutely no sense that if the vaccines are effective and um, they prevent these targeted illnesses, what would it matter if a handful of other children are not vaccinated because they have health concerns or perhaps religious reasons that prevent them from injecting uh, or misting or drinking whatever uh, the latest flavor of the month is that pharma is offering. Um, In New York City, for example, uh, the pharmaceutical companies have uh, removed the requirement or the, the city has removed the requirement for the MMR vaccine, which, as we all know, is is very troubling uh, to parents with children of autism. And yet, um, prior to this change in legislation, millions of doses of MMR were given to New York City children. So now, without any explanation at all, any uh, review of scientific evidence, Apparently, those millions of shots were not needed because they've been removed from the schedule. And and clearly, we don't know why because nobody's been called upon to uh, answer that. What I can tell you is that, um, you know, the argument for more shots is is really based on herd immunity. And uh, there is a contravening, a growing body of research that, you know, shows herd immunity is, is, is not real, and that, um, you know, targeting one in 20 uh, New Yorkers, uh, preschoolers represent one in 20 New Yorkers, does not constitute a herd. It's more like singling out the little calf and uh, targeting them, and vaccine laws are not allowed to do that. They, they have to be proportional, risk-avoidant and non-discriminatory, and if you're targeting just, you know, one out of 20, that's, that's not a herd, and, and any West Texas cattle rancher will tell you that's not how you get herd immunity. The, the opposite side of this uh, very troubling matter is, is shedding, and there is a theory uh, among scientists and doctors that vaccines... Um, the, the opposite of hurting is true, that, that these vaccines can be shed by children. And, and if you group a bunch of little kids together, you're injecting them with the same stuff, generally uh, from the same doctors in the same area, then they go into school, and they're shedding these things. You know, you, you could actually trigger an outbreak of, of something ordinarily benign and something mutated. And, and yes. there, there is evidence that uh, pertussis is mutating as well as uh, chickenpox um, from the vaccinations uh, resulting in an increase in, in shingles in adults. So it's, it's very weird, weird science, very dangerous. Yes, Dr. Gary Goldman has done uh, work and uh, correlating uh, the rise in varicella vaccination with shingles. And uh, we've heard about horizontal transmission um, with measles virus being um, transmitted possibly from a vaccinated to an unvaccinated child, uh, et cetera. This seems like a medical procedure. You know, um, I'm not a doctor. People should always check with their healthcare professionals. You're not a doctor. Um, but uh, does it seem to you, Patty? That vaccination is a medical procedure. It is, it is this needle piercing the skin, bypassing the immune system. Does this not seem like uh, a medical procedure to you? And if it is a medical procedure, are there any other medical procedures that enjoy such um, promotion, shall we say, and also such uh, immunity from liability if there's not uh, product, higher product quality standards? I'm not aware of anything, you know, and I've I've definitely researched uh, the legal side of this matter extensively. And, 
you know, I'm not aware of any uh, other type of procedure, and I, I wouldn't even call it a medical procedure because I am not convinced there is any medical benefit or value. In fact, I think it's the opposite. I think it's, it's a very dangerous practice, vaccinating. Um, the issue of liability also is very, very troubling. Many of these pharmaceutical companies have really atrocious records uh, for reckless uh, behavior, human experimentation. Uh, some of them can even be tied back to uh, experimentation during World War II uh, in Europe on children, and, and we all know about the horrors of that. And in, in the 75 years ago when that was occurring, there was no liability either because people were not aware of what was going on and, and the horrific crimes that occurred. So we fast forward, and in 1986, now we get the same lack of liability, the same lack of responsibility in, in the Vaccine Act, which uh, protects these same companies. Many of them are the same. They have different names, uh, reorganized, uh, but these same companies are now operating once again without liability and it is troubling. Um, I would say, though, one thing that's important, and anybody in this community knows about uh, the Supreme Court's decision in Brisevitz. Two years ago, I think it was two or three years ago, Brisevitz versus Wyatt was considered by the Supreme Court. And in that case, the court was asked to rule on the constitutionality of the Vaccine Act, the, the act I'm discussing that shields liability. And in that case, the court said that no-fault liability that exists under the Act is legal. Federal preemption, and what that means is you can't sue the doctor, you can't sue the nurse, you can't sue anybody who gives you a vaccine that could potentially injure you. That's legal. court said no-fault liability legal. Federal preemption legal. court said the vaccine... Um, the vaccine court where parents go to if their child is injured, that's all legal. The problem with Brisevitz, though, I think asks the wrong question. I think the question the Supreme Court needs to answer is, do Americans have a right to refuse something injected into their body that could potentially harm them and has a history of unethical and inhuman um, practice? And I, I'd say the answer to that is very clearly yes. You are right. You are right about that important question. We're going to take a brief break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please visit our sponsor, HempMed's website at www.hempmedstx.com. We'll be right back. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Holy hormones, honey. Every week this groundbreaking radio show brings you insight about hormone fluctuations, addressing the core biological issues that cause mood disorders and offers a general support center for women everywhere at any stage in their lives. Host Leslie Carol Botha has the passion and drive to help you make informed decisions about your well-being and reclaim your life. Holy Hormones, Honey, sponsored by True Hope Incorporated, the leaders in brain health, is broadcast live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. HempMeds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. HempMeds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. 
Only with Hemp Mets are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Mets. The only question we have for you is, have you had your CBD today? Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Patricia Finn Esquire, and um, she is at the helm of the Patricia Finn Attorney Law Firm. You can look this up at www.vaccineexemption.org or on her Facebook pages at Patricia Finn Attorney or Patricia Finn. And before the break, uh, Patty, you were talking to us about the Brusewitz case and asking some very good questions. Um, I want to ask you also about the the case that you've been working so hard on about Mary Check. Now, um, Mary Check is a little girl who suffered a life-threatening anaphylactic reaction from vaccination and who suffers from additional medical conditions. A risk-benefit analysis was done by her credentialed physician and a medical exemption was written. Yet the court did not accept this. Now, let me ask you something here, Patty. If a child had uh, a peanut allergy, and we know that peanut allergies have skyrocketed, and now there are moves to have EpiPens um, in various places, um, so that's definitely legitimized the risk of anaphylactic reaction to children. Why, in this case, with Mary Check, a little girl who suffered a life-threatening anaphylactic reaction, who has uh, medical corroboration from her credentialed physician, why would the court not accept this? Uh, in Mary Check's case, and can you describe it more to our listeners? Well, in in Mary's case, it was it was rather interesting. The the court never allowed us to introduce any medical in, in evidence, even though we were seeking a medical exemption, and clearly that is grounds for an appeal. Um, Mary uh, was denied the exemption by the city of New York. The court sustained the denial without allowing us to produce any of the evidence. Uh, so that, that's grounds for the appeal. You, you might ask, why did the city of New York uh, deny the exemption? Um, we don't know why. They never really gave a reason. They said that uh, the information we provided was inadequate, and it was far from inadequate. It was, it was more than adequate, um, but the city uh, denied the exemption. There was evidence later revealed that when an individual in New York City has both a medical and a religious reason for avoiding vaccines, which is very common, and it is allowed in New York State under the public health law, Section 2164 allows for specifically both a medical and a religious exemption, as does uh, 31 other states, or I think it's about 30 other states. So uh, these things are allowable, but because uh, Mar- little Mary's mom uh, had both, uh, the city has a quota. So the city will only allow 1.2% of the applications uh, for exemptions to be granted. So there's only a very limited number of exemptions allowable. And then it, the evidence went on to show that if the uh, parent uh, has both, a medical and a religious basis, uh, they're automatically classified as a a questionable application. So the whole thing is violates due process because New York State never said that 2164 only applies to, you know, the first one in 1.2% of applicants. It says it applies to everybody. So, so, therefore, if everyone in the state of New York had a religious reason for avoiding vaccines, they should get the exemption. Moreover, if, if the, the medical, which is, gets a little more scrutiny, if it meets the requirements, which Mary did, 
um, they should be given an exemption. So I believe that part of the uh, dec- the unreasonable declination of these exemptions uh, was based on um, some procedural problems that the city of New York has with uh, granting and denying exemptions. It's very, very troubling, very troubling. Yeah. It sounds uh, it sounds arbitrary, and it sound, it's egregious that they wouldn't let you submit medical evidence in a case that clearly uh, involves a medical event, whether you want to call it a procedure or not, your point earlier, well taken. Um, but also it sounds discriminatory, Patty, from what you've said, because if you had, you know, uh, such and such, I'll just, pick a religion not to offend anybody at all, but if you had such and such so many churchgoers in the state of New York and their children also had had anaphylactic reactions, why should they be discriminated against and looked at with, you know, with hairy eyeballs because they had both? It sounds discriminatory. Well, it is. It's exceptionally troubling, and and I think that these are grounds uh, for reversal Plus, uh, between right after the case was dismissed on uh, June, I think I can't remember June fourth, the court dismissed it. Three weeks later, the city of New York added one and a half million more doses of vaccines for children going to school in New York City without any review. Court court didn't look at it. Uh, it bypassed the legislative process. And we know out of that one and a half million doses that people are going to die and be injured. And it is really it's crazy, actually. And I'm quite sure that, um, you know, the media is so influential and, and it influences everybody. And while I truly believe any litigant in the United States, you know, gets a fair shot, that's what, the, that's what we are guaranteed. We're guaranteed fairness. We're not guaranteed justice. But, but everybody in the United States under our system of government and in the courts gets a fair shot. And that doesn't mean mistakes uh, won't happen. Here we have a mistake and we have a right of appeal. And, you know, thank God for that because we are going to appeal in the Second Circuit. And as part of our appeal, we're going to ask for an injunction to restrain this flu mandate because children could die. I represent a family of a little girl in Vermont. Um, she was six years old, perfectly healthy. Uh, her mom took her for a well visit, not really uh, too concerned about vaccines. Um, and right after the vaccine, uh, Kaylin Matten is her name, Kaylin uh, became ill. Her mother said uh, she became seriously ill, and she died six days later. So we know this flu mandate is dangerous. We know people are going to be injured, and we know in the vaccine court that the greatest spike of new cases that the court is hearing involve uh, the flu mandates, and, and they are absolutely reckless and dangerous, and nobody has looked at them. So we intend to ask the Second Circuit Court of Appeals to restrain this flu mandate and allow us to present medical evidence. And I can tell you, we've got a boatload of medical evidence that I'm looking forward to putting in front of a reasonable uh, judge that that will look at it and know that uh, there's there's something of foul here. There is something seriously wrong. We know that vaccines are unavoidably unsafe, and despite what um, whoever's behind it ends up having the media regurgitate, we know that the government has been awarding vaccine damages for decades. Can you elaborate on this, please? Well, the the vaccine court uh, where I practice, again, you know, is a very fair court. And I know that parents with children who have autism, who have been declined awards, you know, do not agree. But but the fact is, um, it is as fair as it can be. The problem is not the court. The problem is, is the legislation. That's what the Supreme Court said in Brissabeth. Supreme Court recognized vaccines are unavoidably unsafe, but that Vaccine Act was set up to protect supply, right? To, to, so people would, uh, manufacturers would continue to produce the vaccines. And the Supreme Court said in Brissabeth, that's legal. They can do that. 
the, the problem that we're addressing or where we're trying to take them out on the knee is, is on procedural due process. Uh, I mean, on uh, due process grounds, uh, just generally, that, that may be true, and, and that is a legislative problem. But as an individual, an American, you have a right to refuse. And, and it is clear that this court has awarded nearly $3 billion in damages um, since 1986, and that is for children that have been injured by vaccines. And some of that, uh, some of those decisions included children um, whose injuries were uh, diagnosed as autism. Very troubling. Right. So those children just happen to also have autism. But, you know, even in peer review, people are always saying to you, is there a peer-reviewed study on on such and such? Even in peer review, there is the politics of peer review. And even with vaccine injury questions, there's a table of injuries, and they can, you know, jury-rig that how they like. They can say you can have encephalopathy or the, the regression could have happened up to this many, this point in time, and then they say, no, it had to happen within this point in time. They can take things off the vaccine injury table. So I think that there's politics in the vaccine injury table as well. Well, you know, that, that's a legislative problem. And, and I continue to urge, uh, you know, the parents and the people that are involved here, you need to get involved with your legislature. You need to let them know that, uh, you know, we do not uh, accept this, that there is something seriously wrong uh, shielding these same unethical practices and, and many of the same corporations from liability. I mean, really, when you think about it, it, it it's, sickening, and it's inhuman. You know, it is a a massive experimentation on children. The courts in Brusevitz, the courts said, this is is not a problem with the vaccine court. This is a problem with the legislature. So you need to get involved uh, there and make changes in government protecting uh, parental rights. What we're trying to do in the court, however, is, is just put the brakes on this just for... Give us a breather, you know, give us a chance to, to present our evidence because the burden here is not on, on plaintiffs. It's not on little Mary Check to prove there's something wrong with the entire vaccination program. Well, quite the opposite is true. The burden is on the government to demonstrate that the mandates, this, this 1.5 million doses of diseases that was added three weeks ago for New York City children, um, is is necessary, risk avoidant, proportional, and non-discriminatory. That's what the law requires, and that's been the law in the United States for a hundred years since Jacobson versus Massachusetts. So I'm confident we're we will prevail. Well, good for you, uh, Patty, and thank you for sharing uh, that information with us. We're going to take a brief break here at the Voice America health and wellness channel. Don't move from your radio and don't move from your state. You can get CBD oil, that's cannabidiol, CBD oil shipped right to your door. Hemp Meds PX CBD Rich Hemp Oil is available in all 50 states and over 40 countries. I'm going to give you the July 20% off Hemp Meds discount code exclusive to this radio program. The 20% off discount code is A1Radio7. That's A numeral 1 Radio numeral 7. It will be updated each month, so if you're listening to this archive in a month other than July, please check a current show, and please visit www.hempmedspx.com. In a June press release, Andrew Hard, Director of Public Relations for Hemp Meds, said that, quote, from seed to sale, the company conducts multiple internal analyses to comply with multinational government agencies in order to import our hemp oil. Once imported, the CBD-rich hemp oil undergoes further internal testing and at least one third-party analysis per batch prior to creating retail products. End quote. My radio listeners can even find a laboratory report online attesting to the high quality brought to the public by Hemp Meds. So check them out, www.hempmedspx.com. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. Hemp Meds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. Hemp Meds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with Hemp Meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is... Have you had your CBD today? Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Patricia Finn Esquire. And in the last segment, Patty, you mentioned the word experiment or experimental, and I'd like you to define what constitutes an experimental procedure for our listeners. Well, in in this particular case, we don't know what is experimental or not because nobody's had an opportunity to look at and present any medical evidence, as I had stated previously. But why I refer to it as experimental is is as follows, and I had mentioned this earlier. In New York City, the MMR vaccine, the very controversial MMR vaccine, was required for children uh, entering first grade, and they were receiving multiple doses. So millions and millions of the MMR vaccines were required. Now, under the new legislation, they're removed. Okay? They're not required. They're moved back. They're changed. They're modified. Doses added. Doses removed. Nobody has presented any evidence showing why they've done this. So it seems to me it's experimental. During the Nuremberg trials, uh, there were prosecutions of uh, corporate uh, European companies that were engaged in atrocious acts of inspar- experimental vaccinations um, to those interned during the war. And back then, they were not giving any explanation for what they were doing either. And it seems to me that we have the same problem here today, except instead of people being confined and brutalized, we have, unfortunately, a legislative approval that uh, the Vaccine Act allows this to go on without liability and uh, the local governments uh, enforcing or implementing these mandates are not being called upon to demonstrate that the vaccines uh, are risk avoidant and necessary. And as I stated, uh, that's been the law in the United States for 100 years under the holding of Jacobson versus Massachusetts. So Jacobson was a very interesting case, and, and Jacobson... Uh, was a, a Swedish minister who uh, located to Massachusetts, and he refused uh, to take a vaccination. And his case made it all the way to the Supreme Court. And in that case, the court held that the government does have a right to require, um, under police power, to require people to vaccinate. That is kind of troubling, but that but that is it. But the court also said in Jacobson that, it has to be during an outbreak or, or some serious risk, and then they set forth a criteria um, that I mentioned, risk avoidant, proportional, 
necessary, non-discriminatory. Well, how is it that ordering millions of doses for children going to school and then removing it year late, you know, years later without an explanation meets that uh, due process requirement that the Jacobson Court articulated 100 years ago. It doesn't. It does not. And, and that's what we intend to bring to the court's attention in Mary's case with the hope that they'll see it for Mary and it will uh, affect all children similarly situated to her. Well, just like there's politics in peer review, and just like the vaccine injury table can be messed with, um, when you're talking about risk avoidance and how much risk there really is, and forced vaccination in the time of an outbreak, there can be misinformation and hype, you know, like those alleged 36,000, you know, cases of flu per year or or injury, whatever, um, and these numbers can all uh, can all be messed with. the The media hypes up, uh, and fear is instilled into the peoples, and so uh, how can we really know if, when we're being told something is a pandemic or something is a real risk, how can anybody know if that's really the case, that those numbers aren't inflated or made up or something? Well, I honestly don't think you can know, you know. I mean, how do you know what is in that little vial that the doctor is about to inject into your infant? I mean, really, how do you know? A lot of this stuff is manufactured in China and overseas. Uh, The labs are often filthy and unregulated, and they're fined. Uh, so it's really hard to say. Then, then you hear, you know, these stories about uh, people becoming ill or a potential pandemic. But, but when you look back, it, it never happened. And, and in, in the past, these companies, uh, you know, they had no liability for the reasons I talked to you about. And now um, it's the same thing. They have no liability and they're using fear. They scare people. But I think, though, that I, I'm less inclined to think that the public, uh, you know, is, is all gung-ho for vaccines. That's not true. That's part of the spin, too. You know, the media puts out that everybody thinks it's great except for a handful of people who may have been affected by autism and, oh, well, we know the court said that didn't really happen. None of that is true. None of that is true. The autism cases, you know... It, 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 the decision was based on the evidence. That doesn't mean that vaccines do not cause autism. It means those petitioners in those cases failed to meet their burden. I think if those same cases or different cases uh, were brought today based on the evidence we have now, uh, you would have a very different outcome. And there is, uh, there is, Things still brewing in that court that may make its way out of the vaccine court and into a traditional tort where, you know, we would sue outside of the uh, tort, outside of the vaccine court, uh, that, and there would be no limitation on liability and we would be able to go after these manufacturers. So it, it's far from over. You know, it's just because, like I said before, you know, there's a difference between fairness and justice. The courts guarantee, the Constitution guarantees fairness. It does not guarantee justice. And that means that there may be times where uh, a petitioner does not prove their case, and so they are not entitled to relief. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. Uh, in the autism cases, as I, what I've read, um, you know, there were some contaminated uh, samples uh, that were introduced as evidence. Based on that alone, those samples couldn't have been uh, considered by the court. Therefore, petitioners don't meet their burden, and the cases are dismissed. So it, it's not it's not clear cut what you think. So, so to answer your question, I think the court needs to look at the absolute mess this whole thing is. You know, you have pharma research coming out in buckets saying, you know, vaccinate more and more and more. 
But then those of us on the other side, we have research too. We have statistics. We have evidence. We, we can show that, that this is not uh, accurate, what the uh, pharmaceutical companies are putting out. So then the court is faced with the choice of what, what wins here. Is it, is it this scientific mishmash that nobody can figure out, or is it an individual's right guaranteed by the Constitution to refuse vaccinations? And I vote to process. Because history has shown that when you deny people the right of due process, you deny them basic fundamental human rights uh, that result in these atrocities that we have seen throughout history. When you deny that individual right, it spirals out of control. And, and we can't do that. And in the United States, we don't do that. The Constitution, the 14th Amendment, protects against that. And it's a guarantee. Mary has a guaranteed right to refuse these shots, and I intend to present that to the Second Circuit. The difference between now and the, the middle of the 20th century to which you referred earlier, uh, Patty, is just that now it's done under an insidiously civilized veil. It's done with... Um, with... Uh, these things that inhibit people's rights, and when human rights and legislative rights are being inhibited simultaneously on an issue, it should raise a real big red flag. That's really, yes, troubling that the MMR parameters were changed in New York seemingly so suddenly and arbitrarily. It's like you know eating at a restaurant one day, and then it's out of business the next day, and you wonder what the heck went on there. Uh, what did I just eat? Well, this is on uh, a heinously uh, larger and more important scale. What changed? Why was it that yesterday they would fight us tooth and nail to get the shot, and today they changed it and said, oh, never mind? Um, I, I agree, you know, and I, I think that that is very troubling, and the, and the court, you know, will have to consider that in Mary's case, and they will. So we are going to take a brief break here. I want to talk to you about the Due Process Clause in the 14th Amendment when we come back. And uh, listeners can visit your website during the break at vaccineexemption.org. That is two E's in the middle, vaccineexemption.org. And we also want to let listeners know that you can get cannabidiol oil, CBD oil, shipped right to your door. It is legal in all 50 states and over 40 countries. I'm talking about hemp meds, PX, CBD-rich hemp oil. I'm going to give you the July 20% off hemp meds discount code and it is A1Radio7. Their website is www.hempmedspx.com. CBD, by the way, is non-psychoactive, so you don't need to worry about uh, that stigma. Again, the website is www.hempmedspx.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you or someone you love struggle with Alzheimer's disease or some other disorder? Many times, there is not an adequate support forum where you can learn from and discuss topics from top guest experts. Tune in to Neuromatters, The Brink of Alzheimer's with Dr. Sam Brinkman. Although thought of as a disease that affects only older individuals, increasingly symptoms are being found in people who are in their 40s and 50s. Get the answers. Neuromatters airs live Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. Hemp Meds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. Hemp Meds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with hemp meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. 
There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is, have you had your CBD today? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with attorney Patricia Finn. And just to let my listeners know, this show may cause enlightenment, independent thinking, alertness, advocacy, adrenaline rush, and positive movement for children and civil rights. Welcome back, Patty. Oh, thanks. Tell us about the due process clause that you referenced in the previous segment. What is the 14th Amendment, and how do you propose that substantiates consideration of vaccine exemptions in a nutshell? (laughs) I don't know if any discussion of the 14th Amendment could be in a nutshell, although it, it probably should be, but... You know, like everything else, it's so complicated. But, but basically, the, the due process clause has two components. It has a procedural due process component, and it has a substantive due process component. The, the procedural due process has, has been completely botched in New York City for the reasons that I told you. There's a quota system in New York City that only 1.2% of applicants are going to get exemptions. Well, the statute doesn't limit it to 1.2%. The, the statute says there's discretion here. And as I mentioned earlier, if everybody in the state of New York had religious beliefs contrary to vaccinating, indeed, they, they should be uh, allowed an exemption. So that's a procedural problem. Another problem in New York City is that if parents have both a medical and religious basis for avoiding vaccines, which many, many people do, I mean, medicine and religion have been intertwined for years. I know personally, for me, if my children uh, were ever sick or whatever, I prayed for their healing and as well as whatever else I, I chose to do, but, but it wasn't a, a separate it wasn't contrary to whatever treatments I, I gave. So, so that, that's a real problem, too. And then there seems to be evidence that the city of New York uh, is impermissibly classifying people based on religion. So, for example, if you are Rastafarian or Jehovah's Witness or a Christian scientist, religions that have uh, specific tenets contrary to vaccinating, you get an exemption. So if you're a Christian scientist and you make an application for an exemption in New York City and there's only a slim number of opportunities to get one, you automatically get it. That violates procedural due process. The the substantive due process arguments, they're a little more tricky. And, And a violation of substantive due process is something that is so extreme and so outrageous that it, that it shocks the conscience of the court. And quite frankly, I mean, we've got the procedural down. What, what New York City has done is done all over the country, whether it's done purposely or otherwise, it is done. But the substantive due process question is, is really what I think this court needs to look at. How is it that a, munis- uh, a municipality or a government entity can mandate one and a half million doses of vaccines without a reason, without a basis? an experiment, and we don't experiment on children. There are laws in the United States. There are treaties. Uh, there are uh, a basis for uh, prohibiting these types of acts, and I think that the, the vaccine mandates, particularly something directed at little Mary, that, that is not good for her health. Her doctors clearly said that. To deny that, that's, that should shock the conscience of the court. And I'm hoping that, you know, that argument, uh, it prevails. And I'm, I'm sure it will. This is the United States. This is a free well, country. Well, I think in a nutshell, Patty, you were saying that the Constitution doesn't discriminate, so neither should we. Uh, does the Constitution discriminate? No. no. The Constitution no. prohibits discrimination. Right. People the discriminate all the time. Yeah. So neither and, should we. 
Yeah, neither. No, of course not. And and you know, fortunately, uh, we live in a country that I wouldn't trade for anywhere in the world, and that doesn't mean it's perfect or we don't have problems. And unfortunately, litigation is very, very expensive, and people's rights uh, do get swept under the rug, unfortunately. But for whatever reason, in this particular case, we've managed to, you know, force gump our way through it, I guess. <laughs> And we're in a position now where, you know, we, we will have the court hear us, and I'm, I'm sure we will prevail. How can citizens help Mary, little Mary? How can citizens help the overall situations that you've described? Well, you know, anyone can visit, support Mary's rights, and make a, a contribution if they want. Um, but I think, uh, and, and we've received some very very generous contributions from people uh, all over the country that made this possible. And, and I don't want to name who they are but I, because they don't want to be named, but uh, that their donations have, have brought upon this case. But I think the real thing is, is to not be afraid and to stay close, to stay close to each other, to have each other's backs, to be mindful, to be prayerful, and to put all our consciousness, all our energy together towards the one objective and the one goal, and that is, you know, to live freely in the United States without the scourge of experimental vaccines. And I, I'm pretty sure when the court looks at our evidence and, you know, what we have to say, whether they accept our evidence or not, it's certainly a ball game. Um, and I don't know if it was like that 10 years ago, you know, there was certainly uh, scientists and researchers that are sticking their necks out um, at the risk of potentially losing a license or something, but they're still coming forward, enough to show there's so much controversy here that, that the individual right prevails, and that's what we're hoping for. Very good. Well, I want to thank you. Patty, for being my guest today and having this important conversation towards civil rights. You know, Terry, I want to thank you, too, and, and all the other moms and dads out there. You, you just, it really means a lot to us. I don't, I don't know what else to say. If it wasn't for uh, organizations like yours and, and the thinking moms and the warrior moms and, and all the people who are praying and supporting and donating, um, this would not be happening right now. And, and together we have protected children. Uh, there have, uh, we are working towards you know, the prevention of any more diagnostic labels of autism and restoring health and function to those who already have those, that diagnostic label uh, and similar. So, Patty, thank you for working in this very important area. Oh, thank you. Thank you, too, for all the good things that you do. To our listeners next week, my guest is Cicely Everson of Tau Holistics. Don't forget to register for free for the Autism One Thrive Conference, which is August 29th at the Sheraton Universal in Universal City, California. Please visit www.autismone.org. Look on the home page. Uh, and uh, click on the icon to register for free for that event at the Sheraton Universal. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. 